following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So i got to tell you a story. Um, when we were at seminary, which was only, my goodness, we've been out, what, four years now, and so... Um, when we were at seminary, we, when, you're, when you're there, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but seminary students are really poor. This is, this is a fact of life. And so what happens is different churches around the country will adopt seminarians, which is a great plan. And, and we get this letter one day about a church that wanted to adopt us. And it was, it was the, and you have to forgive me because it's kind of a tri-parish, but it was Emmanuel Pleasant View Lutheran Church in Prairie Hills, Missouri, which is near Prairie Hill, which is near... Columbia, but you would never know it because you have to literally go out in fields, like cornfields, and that's where you'll find Emmanuel Pleasant View. And um, we didn't know that. We were reading the letter, and the, and the pastor says, hey, you need to know we're adopting you, and, and we believe we're, our adoption is going to be a powerful help to you. And the reason we believe that is because there's only 12 of us. But we, we know a fella who did a whole lot of things with 12 people. And that's the fellow we're going to put our faith in. And so he says, and so he says we're going to adopt you, and we would love it if you would come out and, and, and participate with us at our mission festival. Now, at our mission festival, we kind of get pretty big. We grow and we grow and we grow because all of the area churches come together, and there might be as many as 40 of us on the mission festival. We want you to come for the mission festival. By that time, I had gone far enough in seminary, so I was allowed to preach and everyone was like, may the Lord have mercy. But they, but they allowed me to preach. And so I went out to there, and it was this old church building. I don't know if you've ever seen these older church buildings where the pulpit is elevated, like way up here, and you have to go up the stairs to get in it. And I looked at that thing, and I'm like, I can't go up in that thing. How am I supposed to? And then Pastor Herman, who is just a dear soul, he goes, <clears throat> you don't have to preach in that. I don't either. And I'm like, Whew. that's really good. Because I didn't, I'm like, what is this? I guess they wanted the pastor to be above the people. I don't know what that was. So anyway, so we preach, and we have, you know, I preach, and we have a great worship service, and it's, they have all these noisemakers they gave the kids, and they were like, make, we should get those. We should let you guys make noise. You just rattle and make bells and tambourines and all those things. And then they were like, after the service, we're going to have a big cookout, right? And everybody's like, can we have one here today? Well, yeah, maybe, but probably not. But they had a big cookout, and so we get together, and we're all in the cookout, right? And we're there, and this family comes over and sits down beside me, and it's like, yeah, it's one of these families where all the guys are really big and strong and they're sort of sitting in positions around you that you're like, I think I'm about to get a talking to. That's this, this, what's going to happen. And uh, sort of the leader of the family, he goes, Mark, you need to know something. I was like, what's that? He goes, you need to be a mission church. Wherever you're at, your, your job is to, is to help people be a mission church. I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, here's why. I was like, okay. He goes, we're going to tell you a story about an old pastor of this church back in the olden days, 1800s, when this was the only church for miles around and people came from all over to come to this church. I'm like, yes, sir. And he says, and the pastor went out to this one old farmer. And he says old, he wasn't that old, but he was, he was a farmer. And he was a farmer's son and a son of a son of a son of a farmer. They were just farmers, right? And you go there and he, he, he says, he said the pastor would go there and he would, he would try to become friends with this family and invite them to church. And finally, the farmer said to him, look, pastor, you can come around here on one condition. And the pastor was like, what's that? He goes, as long as you don't talk about church or God or Jesus or any other of those kinds of things. 
pastor said, but I could be your friend as long as we don't talk about those things, right? Is that what you're saying? And he goes, well, sure. He goes, why don't you come over and we'll talk about farming? pastor's like, fine, that's what I'll do. So the pastor would come over every week. And the, and, the, and the farmer got real skeptical. He's like, you're just looking for an opportunity to talk about church, aren't you? He's like, no, 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 I just want to be friends. And so he, on the time goes, months turn to years until finally the, the pastor and, the, and this farmer are really good friends. And one day, after a few years have gone by, the, the, the farmer's like, you still sure you're not trying to pull one over on me? He's like, surely by now you know. I'm just wanting to be your friend. I am your friend. You're my friend. I was like, okay, all right. Many more years go by. Until one day in the middle of the night, the pastor gets a call. It was the farmer. And he says, you need to come quick because my wife is in labor and she may not survive. I need you to come here and I need you to pray with me. So he got in the car. He drove over there because by this time they did have cars. And so he drove over there and he gets there and he goes in and they're praying and the Lord, excuse me, and the pastor says, Lord, I ask that your will would be done. And I ask that your will would cast out the darkness and all the things that are causing this bad thing to happen and that you would bring light into this situation and that you would save this family. And he did. She survived the birth. The baby survived. And then this big burly man who's telling me the story says that baby that survived that was my grandfather. And he goes, this whole family here is here because that pastor was a mission pastor. And he understood that when we pray, thy will be done, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like this, you know, and I'm like, please don't hurt me. And so, um, needless to say, I took that to heart. Because here's the question. Have you ever thought about when you have guests over? You've got, you got guests coming over, and we had some coming over. And so you, in our house, I don't know if this ever happens in your house. Some of you guys have really clean houses. In our house, when we have guests coming over, we begin cleaning the house. This is how it happens. And you're like, and Debbie's like, we need to have guests more often come over, so we'll keep the house clean more often, right? But anyway, so, so we're cleaning the house. And, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but when people are coming, you're like, what is your objective for when they come? Like, what do you, why do you even want them to come? Because what's the purpose? See, this, this is what our question is when we, when we open this house. Why do we want the people to come? So that God's will would be done in their lives and in the people's lives that they touch and among their friends and even among some old farmers who may not want anything to do with any of this. So that when the stuff happens, when the stuff hits the fan, if you'll allow that expression, Jesus will be there. And how will Jesus be there? Oh wait, we've got to read some scripture. We've got to find out. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to put these on the screen. I'm going to zoom in on a couple things. And for those of you who are guests here, you need to notice this little MLV. You've got to kind of go to yellow alert because that's Mark's literal version. And what, the reason why I do that is I want to bring out some key words that maybe, depending on which Bible translation you grew up with, um, you might miss. And so I want us to highlight this. And so it's interesting because he says, therefore I urge you, and he uses the word for, it, it gets translated brothers, but in this context, it means brothers, sisters, kids, uncles, kids. It's family. Brothers and sisters, family, I urge you. He's just gotten done giving us Romans chapter 1 through 11, what we call 1 through 11, where he has just said over and over and over again, you are saved by faith. You are saved by faith in Jesus. 
You were brought into Christ Jesus when you were baptized, he says in chapter 6. In chapter 7, he says, yeah, 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 I know it doesn't always work out right. Sometimes you don't do the things you want to do. And then chapter 8, he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And at the end of chapter 8, he says, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is kind of big stuff. In chapter 9, he's like, yeah, but how does that work? And in chapter 10, he's like, yeah, through, through the Word of God. And then in chapter 11, he's like, wow, that's a mystery. And now we're to chapter 12. So he says, therefore, in, I urge you, family, through God's mercy, to look at God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living, holy, and well-pleasing sacrifices to God. Living, holy, and well-pleasing sacrifices to God. This is your reasonable worship. So this word here is logikos in Greek. And I don't normally, you know, like, well, I'm not, that, that just, it's all Greek to me. I get that. But I hope you'll see that that word is a unique word. In fact, it only appears twice in the entire New Testament, here and in 1 Peter. And it, it, means, it doesn't mean spiritual. And so the, the Bible translators are like, we don't know what to do with this word because it doesn't appear very often. But you know what's really interesting? Is it, is it kind of, reminds you of, of um, logical, right? This is kind of where our word logical comes from. And so the word, you know, and you, you, know, you don't want to stretch that too far, but some of the translators, and you'll see even in your Bibles, it'll say maybe in the bottom, it'll say reasonable. If those of you who grew up in the King James, with the Korean King James, well, it says reasonable in the King James because they're like, what does this word mean? It's your, it's your reasonable word. It's, the, it's like the proper response. That's a way we might say it in our time. In other words, we look at all that God has done, all that He has done, all of His will unfolding, and what would we do as a response? This. Living, holy, well-pleasing sacrifices. Now remember living, of course you know living, meaning alive. We're not looking for anybody to shed blood. Jesus took care of all that. Holy means different, means set apart. And well-pleasing means let's, let's love our neighbor. Let's do what Jesus would do. Let's participate in His kingdom. And now let's look at verse 2. He says, And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may test and discern what is the good, well-pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is why we're reading this. What is the will of God? Well, we all face situations every day where the question is, should we be conformed to the world, to this age, or to Jesus? I mean, this, that's the question. And this is where the, the old kind of cliche came about. What would Jesus do? And I understand all that, but there's a time and a place where it's good for us to ask this question. That doesn't get us to be good with God. Being like Jesus doesn't get us to be good with God. Jesus gets us good with God. That's why we do all of this in view of through God's mercy. But there's a time and a place to say, here I am. I've been put here. This guy doesn't want to talk about church. What should I do? Love him. I've been put here. I'm supposed to take out the trash. What should I do? Well, I've got to take out the trash because that's that act of love. I've been put here. That person just stabbed me in the back. What should I do? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see how this works. And you know what that is? That is transformation. And it only can happen by God's Spirit, only by His power, only through His mercy, through His grace, through His perfect peace which comes to you and to me. And it comes through, look at this, by the renewing of our minds. So um, 
I have to tell you, I've told this once or twice, but it's behooved to be told again. And that is, I was with a couple, we were doing some crisis marriage discussions, right? I don't know if you've ever had crisis marriage discussions. So the marriage is in crisis and we're discussing it. It was an interesting situation. Not a happy conversation. And the husband says, you know, I did notice that when we spend more time with God, things get better. And I was like, isn't that so? Isn't that interesting? And Because what happens is when you spend time in God's Word, you spend time gathered, receiving God's gifts like we're receiving this morning, then what happens is, is that you, know, you have the Spirit being strengthened in your body, giving, giving you the ability to look at things and go, that's not quite the right way to handle this. Do you see how this works? It's the transformation of, by the renewing of your mind. It's like you need to kind of spend time with Jesus. Not because you need to spend time with Jesus to get his approval, but because we need, to, we need his help so that we can face the world, so that we can participate with him in his mission. That farmer went to that, excuse me, that pastor went to that farmer's house because he loved him and he wanted him to know Jesus. But at the end of the day, he's like, Lord, I'm going to pray for him and I'm just going to be his friend. I'm not going to try to have any kind of you know, ulterior motives. But then when time came, he needed him. He was there. And so why do we do all this? So that we may test and discern what is good and well-pleasing the perfect will of God. So for example, I've had people say to me, hey, pastor, what should I do in this situation? You know, here's a decision. What should I do? What does God want me to do? And it's, nobody likes my answer because essentially this is what I say. Well, you, we, need to be tra- we, need to have our, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And they're like, wait, what? I just want to know whether I should go left or right. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because that's the only way we can answer the question. It's the only way we know. And what we find when we spend a lot of time, you know, we're going to discover that those decisions are actually so much easier to make when we can be in God's Word and we're in His people and He is in us. Take a look at verses 9 and 10. Because what's interesting is, is how this all works together. Everybody says, you know, what is love? Right? That's Hathaway's question and others. Um, here's, where it is, here's what it is. It's interesting because the word, there's, the word hypoc- for hypocrisy only appears five times in the Bible, and this is one of those five times. And, uh, and all five occasions when this word pops up, it has to do with, not with people who are, you know, supposed to be good in order that they can go to church, but it's the people who are already at church who are upset with the people who are not. Right? No, no, no. Love without hypocrisy. Just love your neighbor. Don't say, oh, well, you should become a good person. Well, of course, that would be great, but that's not what we're the purpose. Yes, we abhor the evil. We're like, evil's bad. Evil's bad. We cling to the good, but look at how we do it. In brotherly love, you guys know that Greek word. You may have even been to the city. You've ever heard of Philadelphia, right? That's, that, that's the Greek word for brotherly love. Acting like a family. Sometimes you're like, yeah, if you, go to, if you go to Philly, you don't always feel like you're among family. I get that. But whatever city you're in, wherever you're at, we should be acting like that. That's what we're called to do. In honor, excuse me, acting like a family toward one another in honor, leading the way for one another. Sometimes we'll be in situations. Have you ever been in this situation? You're at work, you're at school, you're down at the dock, you're playing in the boat, wherever it might be, and things happen 
that guy who tries to charge you too much for the fuel or, you know, there's people cut you off in traffic or that one bully at school or, you know, we can insert all those things. How do we lead the way for one another? How do we lead that? Take a look at verses 11 and 13. 11 through 13. He says, not being lazy, but being eager on fire and in the spirit to serve the Lord, rejoicing in hope, enduring in affliction, holding fast to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and pursuing strangers in love. That's the word for hospitality. That's what hospitality means. Saying, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Um, it's really interesting. Um, Pastor Dar, some of you guys know Pastor Dar who planted praise and worship. He said that you don't got to go to church. Some of you guys know the answer. You get to go. You get to go. This is what this is. Being eager, right? And, I, and a lot of the kids are like, oh boy, here we go. Right? You know, Mark's wanting to be eager. But look, this is the idea. It's when we pray and we ask your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what that looks like. This is what we're actually asking the Most High to give to us, to do among us. How do you rejoice in hope and then endure in in affliction? It's easy to rejoice in hope in one sense. You're like, oh, things are going great. But what happens when they don't go great? Then what you want to do is you want to pray. How should you pray? Pray. Pray. Cry out the name of Jesus. Lord, your will be done here, just like it is in heaven. Because right now, this is not heaven. I'm experiencing hell. That's what, that's what we feel, right? And so when you're in the middle of affliction, we hold fast to prayer, we contribute to the needs of the saints, and we pursue strangers in love. So that there, when there are people who are out there that are hurting, they're not our enemies. The enemy is the one we're actually praying against. When we say your will be done, we're telling the enemy, get out of Dodge. Get out of Dodge. You Because... We're asking God's will to be done, not, not, the, not the powers of darkness. Look at verses 14 and 15 where he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And that's usually what we do. We always, I'm like, bless you, brother, when you cut me off in traffic. Oh, man, glory to God, right? That's what we say, right? Probably not. Probably not. And so, like I said, some of these words will hit you. And they're like, yeah, they're doing stuff to you. And they're doing it to me. What does it mean to ask the Lord's will to be done here as it is in heaven? It means to um, relax a little bit when we come under fire and to let go and then to rejoice with those who rejoice. And then if someone's weeping, then we weep with them. That's what we do. That's how we roll. And then verse 18, he, he kind of pushes this up a little bit. He says, he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How does that work, right? What about the people that don't want to live at peace with me? Well, you know, just love them. What does it look like to love them? Oh, we've kind of been looking at that. Don't curse at them. Don't curse them. Bless them. Care for them. Rejoice when they rejoice. Weep when they weep. Come alongside them. It's that simple. You're like a pastor who's going to be a farmer who says, I don't want anything anything to do with you if you're going to talk about those things. Fine, let's talk about something else. You see how this works. Take a look at verse 19. When we pray, your will be done, this is what we're praying for. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. My Uncle Marty, who um, he and I are related by the blood of Jesus, not by uh, the normal way, 
but some people know him as Martin Luther, and I call him Uncle Marty because he's just a guy. He's just a guy who told us stories and pointed us to Jesus once again. Um, he wrote a catechism, both for families, and then he wrote one for pastors. And the one for families, the idea was in his time, in his place, people didn't have access to Bibles. Now, he was working on that, but before that was all available, and it necessarily, and it was, even when it was available, it was very expensive to get one. A little catechism, they could pass these out, hand them out, and it had these little things in there. And some of you guys have studied this. And it was, it was this business about um, how, how, what, what does God want? What is he after? What's the good news? What are the Ten Commandments? What's the Lord's Prayer? And you learn how to follow Jesus through this little handbook. Well, he also had this large catechism, and that was like for pastors to teach them. This is how you preach. This is how you teach. This is what you t- share with the people. And, it, and when he gets to the end of the Lord's Prayer in this particular part of the prayer where we're praying for Lord's will to be done, he says, you know what we're praying for? We're praying for all <laughs> those devils and those demons and all that stuff to get out of here. They shudder when we pray this. Because when we say we want the Father's will to be done here, that means that their will cannot be done here. The darkness has to flee. And this is why we say we do not be conquered by evil. This is why we rejoice in this verse. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Whenever we feel the evil, we pray, Lord, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Right here, just like it is right there. Which is, we're asking heaven to come down so that we can conquer the evil, not by our power, but by his. And that evil be cast out, sometimes even out of our own hearts. Sometimes it's out of the hearts of those around us. Sometimes it's all of the above, so that we can be free. So, um, we're sitting there, we're all eating watermelon by this point. They've been telling me about, um, about their family and all the kids that were born out of that farmer's family and that they then helped rebuild the church building when it broke, you know, burned down one year and all these other things. And, and, um, and they said, now tell us, about, tell us about the church you're going to. Because they knew kind of at that point we had a pretty good idea I was going to get to come here as the Lord willed it. And so I said, well, you, you need to know about praise and worship. It's this little church, this little gathering of people. They, at, at that time, the church was meeting over in the Stonebridge um, clubhouse. And, and so there's a little bit, and their, their heart, their vision is to, is to reach people for Jesus, is to reach out to people who didn't grow up understanding any of this. And, I, and, and I'm thinking back on that from this perspective, and I'm thinking, we're talking about people that didn't grow up knowing even what the Lord's Prayer is or what it means. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, so that we would conquer evil with good. Not our good works per se, Jesus took care of that, but loving our neighbor by his power, according to his will, on earth, just as it is in heaven. Please pray with me for that very thing to happen here. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for all that you give us in these words, and we pray right now that you would bless us and give to us what we need. And what we need is the ability to conquer evil by good, with good. And we know that we can't do that, not certainly on our own. But Lord, in your power and in your name, and and when your will is done among us, then it will happen. Help us remember always, Lord, to be eager. When we pray for your will to be done, help us to be eager 
to be on fire in the Spirit, to rejoice in hope, to endure in affliction, and to continue to hold fast to prayer, to keep contributing to those people who are in need, and to pursue those around us with love. Lord, help us to bless those people who persecute us and try to hurt us. Help us bless and not curse. Help us rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And Lord, we pray that you would do all of this not because we have any of those abilities, but by your Spirit. Let your will be done right here, just as it is right there. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.